White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Connor's got the day off from White Sox Weekly. You can catch him on the call today with Darren Jackson as well as tomorrow's game. We're going to talk to Connor a little bit later on on White Sox Weekly. I'm Tyler Rocky filling in for Connor. Today we are talking all things White Sox with you, leading you into the FanDuel White Sox pregame show at 2.30. So much to get to in what was a busy, busy week of roster moves and some rehab assignments and obviously the the play on the field for the White Sox this week as well. And we'd love to hear from you over the course of today's show. 312-332-3776. If you want to hop on into the conversation, we're going to talk to Danny Mendick a little bit in a little bit. He has been really good, really, ever since coming back up from AAA Charlotte. He did have the one base running blunder, but outside of that, Mendick has been fantastic. Currently in the midst of a streak where he's had three straight multi-hit efforts in his last four games, a 6-for-11 stretch. He's been really good and been very versatile as well across the board for this White Sox team, filling in for Tim Anderson. That is one of the tougher assignments you can get on this team, a big blow. And I think that's kind of where we start today's conversation. When you look at what went down over the course of the week, the most significant piece of news is Tim Anderson going on the 10-day IL with a groin injury. And for T.A., you kind of see how important he is. I don't think it's any sort of mistake to see that ever since Tim went down, the White Sox have not won a game. They were swept in Toronto, and then they lost the opener of the series against Tampa Bay last night. You just kind of look at the numbers that sort of back that up with Tim Anderson. The White Sox so far this season, actually dating all the way back to 2020, the White Sox are 123 and 89 when Tim Anderson is in the lineup. When he does not play, the White Sox are 28 and 32. And you kind of look at the tone that he sets. This is a White Sox team right now that is 25th in all of baseball in first inning runs. And you look at the crop of teams they're around, it's not very great competition. It's the Baltimores, it's the Detroits, it's the Kansas Cities. I think Houston's one spot above them in those rankings, but outside of that, you look at it, it's a lot of below-average teams that are right around them. And I think the thing that T.A. does so well is set the tone for this team. He gets things going in that first inning for this White Sox club, and when they don't have that catalyst at the top of the lineup, like Tim Anderson... It makes life difficult. It makes things even more difficult for your two, three, four hitters as well. This is a Tim Anderson that is among the best leadoff hitters, if not the best leadoff hitter in all of baseball. When you take a look at his numbers so far this season, he's getting on base at a 393 clip, a 159 OPS plus, and he's hitting 356. And it feels like with Tim, we've seen amazing seasons from TA throughout the course of his time in the Whites, with the White Sox, his seven years with the White Sox. He's been an all-star. He's, he's been getting MVP votes in the past as well. And yet somehow we are seeing him get better and better as time goes on. And you look at some of the numbers, like when he led the league in batting 
back in 2019, a 335 clip, you thought to yourself, all right, like this is awesome, right? But can he sustain this over the course of his career? And you look through and he dipped to 322. Listen, you'll take 322 any day of the week out of your leadoff hitter, especially when their on-base percentage is the same as it was from the season before when they led the league in batting average. So 357, 357, things dipped a little bit in 2021, down to 309 and a 338, still both very good numbers. And then this season, you've seen an absolute spike in that batting average, albeit in a 40-game sample so far here in 2022. But 356, a 393 on base percentage. And I think that on base percentage and the tone setting that he does atop the lineup for this team is something that White Sox fans knew it was important. And I think all of baseball knew how important it was. But it's one of those things you don't really get a full grasp of it until it's gone and it's missing from that lineup. And you've seen different guys start to filter in and try to replace Tim Anderson. I don't think there's a replacing Tim Anderson really that can be done because he's such a unique player in the terms of he gets on base at a high clip, but he does damage atop the lineup because he's getting on base with a lot of hits. Now, his walking numbers are actually getting a little bit better. He had a couple of nice games where he was seeing the ball really well and it turned into some walks and you can always sort of sense a little bit of frustration in Tim when he does walk because he wants to get on base with the stick not with the eyes but the thing about Tim Anderson that makes him valuable he can get on base and we've also seen the stolen base numbers up a little bit so far in the early courses of the season he's tried eight times he's been successful eight times the White Sox as a a team saw a stat last night on NBC Sports Chicago have stolen their bases 24 of 26 so far this season. So when they are active on the base paths, they are are usually taking that extra 90 feet. And sure, the attempts maybe aren't as high as a lot of other teams. I think I saw the Rays yesterday had somewhere in the neighborhood of 36 attempts, I want to say. But when you look at what Tim Anderson does atop this lineup, it really gets me to, to ask the question, who is the most irreplaceable player on this team? Is it Tim Anderson? So we'd love to hear from you, 312-332-3776, because without TA for the next, uh, let's say, about week, I think, is is a best-case scenario, it's tough. It's going to be tough, and especially for a team that has struggled offensively when you take out the best hitter in terms of getting on base in your lineup. It's tough to score runs when you're missing that guy atop the lineup. So 312-332-3776, in your eyes, Who is the most irreplaceable player on this White Sox team? And is he currently on the shelf? Is it Tim Anderson or is it someone like Lance Lynn, who's also injured right now? We'll get to some of what Lynn's numbers were at AAA Charlotte, too. Or is it a guy that you see in the lineup a lot in Jose Abreu, who's really heating up? His average has spiked about 50 points over the course of his 12-game hitting streak. Or is it a Luis Robert, who the White Sox are just getting back right now in after he had a stint on the COVID list. We'd love to hear from you. 312-332-3776. I look at Tim, too, as a guy who defensively has gotten better as well. I know he led the league in airs for a little stretch leading into his injury, but one of the things about Tim defensively is he had made improvements defensively, too, to the point where that number was pretty stagnant for a little bit. You know, 
there, there's a, a really funny account on Twitter, MLB Airs, and it's literally it has a ha, has a a video of every single air that's get, getting made across all of baseball. And one thing that they do is they will track who is the league leader in airs, and, and they do it because they follow one person at a time, and it's whoever the league leader in airs is. And for a while, it was Tim Anderson, but that number had been stuck at nine for the longest time for T.A., and you look at some of the plays that he makes in the field, they're not easy plays. He is making some really difficult plays look really seamless out there. And I I look at what Tim Anderson has done for this White Sox team to be that catalyst atop the lineup and also with some improved defense as well, and I think it's something that the White Sox – they knew they were going to miss Tim Anderson, but I don't know if they knew exactly how drastic it might be. And I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that this team has really struggled ever since T.A. went out of the lineup. And again, you don't want to make excuses with injuries, but it's certainly glaring when you're missing your leadoff hitter, the heartbeat of your team, all that stuff. So three one two three three two three seven seven six. who is the most irreplaceable player on this team? Let's start with Dominic. He's on the south side. Dominic, welcome on into White Sox Weekly. Hey, thank you for having me on. The one thing I will say is it's Timmy by far. But where the Sox are hurting is going cheap in the off season. Losing Rodon, killer. Not paying for a second baseman, second baseman having Larry play second every day, killer. It's not the injuries. It's Jerry Reinsart going cheap. Yeah, I, I get your frustrations there, Dominic, and we appreciate the call there. Yeah. Listen, I know a lot of Sox fans wanted to see this team go out and spend some big money in the offseason, but this is still a team that right now is seventh in the MLB in payroll, and they have spent some money in some important pieces. Like, you look at the bullpen and the Joe Kelly signing and the Kendall Graveman signing, and I think those are important pieces for a team that you knew also had a trade chip in your bullpen, in Craig Kimbrell, you go out, flip it for A.J. Pollock. I think A.J., he was joined us last week on White Sox Weekly. He's starting to find his groove a little bit, and he's going to be one of those pieces that you could see atop the, the lineup during the duration of Tim Anderson's absence. We've seen him a couple times already. We've seen Leori Garcia a couple times. He's your leadoff hitter today. You've also seen a guy like Yasmani uh, uh, Grandal was the first experimental guy atop the order, too. So we're going to see a bevy of all that stuff. So it's going to be an interesting little drawn-out process here for the White Sox and how they try to replace Tim Anderson because that right now I think is focal point number one for this team. I think the pitching has done enough to put this team in situations to win games. Now, have there been some clunkers? Yeah, in the Boston series, it was tough. But you have done enough pitching-wise, I think, to put your team in situations to win these games. And it just hasn't been there with the bats. And I think missing Tim Anderson is a huge part of that. So 312-332-3776, most irreplaceable player on this White Sox team. Let's check in with Frank. He's in Montgomery. Frank, welcome to White Sox Weekly. How you guys doing? Good. How you doing, Frank? Good. I was wondering why we can't bring up Jose Rodriguez from uh, AAA and get him some time up and get rid of Harrison. I Listen, I, I look at, I get the intrigue of wanting to bring up some some of these minor league prospects, prospects Frank. I, I get that. There's always the intrigue, but you don't want to rush some of these guys' progressions as well. I mean, just look at a guy like Danny Mendick, who's going to join us on the show in a little bit. Mendick's a guy who can play second for you. And ever since coming up, I know he had the base running blunder, but 
he's hit the ball pretty well through his limited time with the White Sox here in 2022. I I wouldn't mind riding the, the Danny Mendick train for a little bit with the White Sox here in 2022. I mean, he's so far, he's played in 15 games with the big club, hitting 306. He's 11 for 36 in the in that stretch. I think that's something you take. And he's he's shown up in, in some big moments for you as well. So Danny Mendick's a guy who, listen, this team with 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 a guy like Rodriguez and I know with with Yolki Cespedes, Oscar Coles, everyone wants to rush the progression of these guys, but I would say one of the smarter things you can do is just be a little more patient because eventually some of these holes are going to open up and some one course of action is to go out, spend money, find a free agent or make a trade, but the other and the the easier way to sort of navigate it is by pulling some of these guys up from the minors that you have groomed and have gotten them ready to the point where they can go out and make an impact for you. So we're going to talk to Danny Mendick in a little bit here on the show. We'll also talk to Connor McKnight. He is in the big chair today alongside Darren Jackson, Tyler Aki, filling in on White Sox Weekly. Hey, secure your spot this season with a White Sox ticket package, the best way to get the best seats at the best prices, plus enjoy postseason priority, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. White Sox Weekly, we'll be right back. Greeny, 10 to noon, weekdays on ESPN 1000. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight. We'll talk to Connor coming up at 1 o'clock here on the show. But now we get a chance to talk with one of the newcomers, not newcomers, a guy who's bounced up and down between Charlotte and the big club, Danny Mendick, joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Danny, how are you feeling today? Tyler, how we doing, man? I'm fantastic here. So for you, as someone who has been up with the, the Major League Club down at Charlotte and then back up again, what is that entire process like where you don't know necessarily where you're playing your next game? Yeah, you know, you kind of just look at it and say, uh, well, for me, I, you know, I enjoy playing baseball. So um, whether it be in Charlotte, Chicago, um, once I step in between those lines, it's like, you know, let's go. And uh I try to uh, help the team in any way I possibly can. And, you know, like I said, wherever it is, that's what it is. But I'm going to give it uh, 110% all the time. I feel like White Sox players are spoiled in the sense that when you do go down to Charlotte or back up to Chicago, you've got great food wherever you're going. Like there's great barbecue down in Charlotte. There's great food up here in Chicago. Do you have a couple favorite spots, favorite types of cuisine that you hit when you're in both places? You know what? It's 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 hit or miss. I when I go down to uh, Charlotte, it's it's awesome. I mean, first off, that stadium is incredible. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful city and stuff like that. So I normally just what I'll do is I'll just ride those scooters around because they got those scooters there. And <laughs> right, uh huh. You can just go wherever you want. Um, you know, as far as I, I wish I could say I hit uh, some more barbecue spots, but I do like I'll do like a you know a pot belly sandwich before the game or something like that. Um, that's in Charlotte, and then Chicago. Chicago's a little different. We got we got some good food at the field, so I always either grab some breakfast in the morning or I go straight to the field and, and crush what we got there. Danny Mendick joining us here on White Sox Weekly. So you coming up and you're replacing Tim Anderson. We've talked a little bit on this team about how tough of an ask that can be for someone who is a catalyst atop the lineup. He's made some amazing plays in the field as well. What goes into your mindset day in and day out of, I'm stepping in for that guy? 
Yeah, you know, um, Timmy's my guy. So um, I've, you know, been behind him and I've been on this team and we talk a lot and I see the way he prepares. And, I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete and baseball player. And uh, to be able to step in for a guy like that, you know, it's tough. But uh, I know my ability. I know what I can bring to this team. And, you know, you get out there and go out there and play my best and, you know, uh, just do what I can to help the team bring the energy. Um, I think that's one thing that Timmy does really well is he has a lot of a lot of positive energy when he plays. Um, you know, the guys rally around him. He's one of those guys where when Timmy's hitting, you know, everybody's hitting because he just makes it fun. And uh, so, it's, it's you know, it's one of those things when, you know, you never want to see a guy go down like that. Um, but it gives me an opportunity and, you know, opportunity allows me to be the baseball player that I am. So that's what I'm here doing. You bring up sort of that contagious thing that Timmy has where he, he'll go out there, he'll start hitting, and then everyone else gets into a groove. Is that something that is just kind of you either have it or you don't, or is that something that you can kind of develop personality-wise? Um, you know what? I think that's one of those things you kind of develop. Um, I mean, Timmy's probably had it his whole life. He's just been a phenomenal hitter. So, But it's just it's just having a positive mindset, a positive energy, because – this game is tough. You know, you, you fail seven out of ten times um, to be a Hall of Famer. So it's like, you know, how do you, how do you accept that and how do you look at that and say, okay, well, you know, I got to – the three times that I do do well, I got to make sure that I'm positive for all ten of them. And that's what he does really well. You know, he goes up there and whatever the outcome is, he knows he's got, you know, another big at-bat coming up and he's going to help the team somehow. So it's just to have those positive vibes – you just feel it, you know, one through nine, and even in the in the clubhouse and dugout, you feel it. So you got called up, back up, I should say, about a week ago now, and you your first three starts, you, you have two-hit game, two-hit game, two-hit game. What allowed you to sort of find your rhythm as quickly as you did when you got called back up? Uh, you know, I went back down to Charlotte. Um, you know, didn't really look at, at anything besides I'm just going to go play baseball and uh, got to go get some at-bats, um, see some pitching, and, you know, you fall in a groove a little bit once you start to see some pitching on a consistent basis. And then um, Timmy goes down and, you know, you get an opportunity and you come in midway in that game. And, you know, I guess I just have been trusting my process and trusting my routines and um, come in that game and then, you know, you get four at-bats, you get two hits. So it's like, okay, you know, that's that's a start. And then you keep rolling it over into the next couple of days. And it's just a confidence thing once you start to, you know, see the ball drop a little bit, um, start to feel a little more comfortable and, and realize, you know, the plan that you have is working, so to stick with it. Danny Mendick, our guest here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So there was that one play that took place in Toronto, the base running air on, on, between you and Reese and on a, the tag up there. What happened on that play? Yeah, so um, first and third one out. Uh, fly ball, probably not the right situation. You know, you got to play the scoreboard. You got to look at um, wh- where we're at in the game and stuff like that. But I saw um, Guriel going back. I know he has a good arm, um, but he was, you know, pretty close to the warning track and he's going back on a fly ball. And with Vonnie coming up next, I was thinking just try to get in scoring position. And uh, probably, like I said, not the right thought. And if when a play was close, probably just got to pull up and getting a rundown so that Reese does score. Um, but, you know, with my thing, my, my philosophy is, is I'm going to be an aggressive baseball player. And uh, 
I say this about everything, but if I'm going to make a mistake, it's going to be aggressive. I'd rather do it aggressively than, you know, not make a mistake at all and, and play timid. So it's one of those things that, you know, you learn from. Um, you know, hopefully you get a situation like that, you know, in the in the playoffs or even in the World Series, and you know exactly what to do for the next time. So, um, you know, lesson learned. But uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm always going to be aggressive, and you make aggressive mistakes. Is aggressive baseball something that has become more and more part of the mainstream in your eyes now? Because I look at it like that Cubs series, it felt like they were steal, trying to steal bases every other batter. The Rays, they've tried to steal a lot of bases so far early on in the series. Do you feel like aggressive base running is something that baseball needs a little more of? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for a while it was just like everyone was so afraid to make mistakes. You know, you try to do whatever you can and not make mistakes. You know, it, it, that's the thing. You, Baseball, you got to go hard all the time. So um, base running is huge. If you, you know, the worst is when a guy really busts it out of the box. And if you're, you know, fielding the ground ball, you know, you got to get rid of it quickly. That's when mistakes happen. You know, a guy that dogs it out of the batter's box and you got time, you feel so lackadaisical. You know that. So you know, that aggressive mentality is something that puts pressure on on the on the defense. And uh, you know, when guys are super aggressive like that, I, I think more mistakes get made and and whatnot. Danny Mendick, our guest on White Sox Weekly here. So I want to take you back to your roots a little bit here. You're a Rochester guy. As someone who spent four years in Syracuse myself, I know what it can be like weather-wise out there with the snow and everything. How did you occupy your time? What, what's your favorite sort of snow activity out there in Rochester? Yeah, so actually growing up, um, my dad used to put up an ice skating rink in the backyard. So we would... Uh, I had probably 10 guys on call in high school, and we would always play three-on-three. Three. So it was even if it was like a school night or something like that, we were out there playing till like midnight, and um, it was awesome. I mean, you you just wanted it to be as cold as possible because we would go out there and just play three-on-three three hockey. And, um, you know, you actually look forward to the winners because sometimes you get cooped up inside if there's not much to do, but – to be able to go outside and, you know, not looking back on it, it was great for my hand-eye coordination and just staying athletic. I think you're one of the few people that roots for cold out there. I think well, most, most yeah. people wait for the, the summer to – because once the summer comes out in, in upstate New York, like it, it is beautiful out there in some of those summers, and you go up to places like Ithaca and stuff like that. But the you're one of the few people, I think, that actually roots for the cold out there. Yeah, it, you know what? It was so much fun. You got to – make so many memories and like i said it not many times you get to play especially when school's in you know we'd be playing on a school night and it was just awesome you know i think it was one of those things where yeah you you are rooting for the cold because you got to get that ice cold and i remember all my buddies would text me and be like we good to go as soon as the winter would start we good to go and i'm like not yet we got to wait a couple more days until the ice freezes your dad so must have been awesome. the absolute king out there, just going through the maintenance of, of keeping up an ice rink and all that stuff. I, I have one friend who his father used to do the same thing, and, and there's a lot of work that goes into that, and I think a, a lot of it is is w much appreciated by people like you and your friends. One other Rochester question I have for you. Yeah. Explain to me the fascination with the garbage plate, because that's something that I, I met some Rochester people. They were enamored by it, but I never quite got the, the connection with the garbage plate, the fascination with it. Yeah, you know what? I don't, even, I don't even know what it comes from, but it's one of those things where, you know, you go out and maybe have a couple of drinks or something like that, and to have the amount of calories that you're going to consume when you eat a garbage plate, um, 
I guess it's just uh, it's just kind of a, a cheat meal, I guess you could yes. say, where you're going right. to go out and you're going to you know crush a lot of food. But a lot of people, and and for myself, I, you know, it's kind of one of those late night things where you just uh, go out. You know, you're going to crush some food and nothing like some some mac salad, some some taters, and uh, whatever topping you want on it, che- uh, cheeseburger, chicken tenders, hot dog. I mean. It's a great, it's a great snack. Yeah, for for or for people who aren't familiar night. with it. Yeah, right. Exactly. For people who aren't familiar with it, imagine like you're you're at a a restaurant and everything's sort of left on your plate when everyone's done eating, but there's still the little pickings left across everyone's <clears throat> plate. You just put all that together, and that's pretty much what you're eating right there. Yep, yep. You got mac salad, tater tots, and then you get you know you throw on a che- couple cheeseburgers with. A um, bunch of different sauces and mix it all together and just go to town. So today is a Dylan Cease start. And what we like to do here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network is on our Twitter poll for today's game. We like to put together the best baseball mustaches for a poll. And we're turning it into like a little tournament. Who do you think has the best mustache in baseball aside from Dylan Cease? And it can be historical too. Oof. Um... That's a great question. Best mustache. I guess I have to go back a couple eras, right? Because that was the uh, the time when the mustache was really in. Right. But there's some good ones even now in baseball. Like I, I'll point to someone like Miles Michaelis. Andrew Chafin has a really good one. It feels like it's a lot of pitchers. Chafin does have a really good one, actually. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I have I'm biased because I, I like Dylan's, and I was talking to him about it the other day because. He was kind of sitting there, and he was like, you know, do I keep it going or whatnot? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. So he's thought about shaving it? Well, you know, he's thought about, like, do I grow out the other part of my, my facial hair? So turn it into a beard, pretty much. Yeah. And it was like, no, just keep, you know, keep trimming it up and, and making it look good. You got to, you know, you got to cut it by the lip and make sure that it's not, you know, you got to keep it looking fresh. So, right. but I would say Chafin, yeah, I've seen Chafin's. It's, he's got a good one. Yeah. Danny, thanks so much for your time here. He is in the lineup today, and we look forward to seeing you out there today with the White Sox. Thanks so much, Danny. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. That's Danny Mendick, the second baseman, shortstop, infielder, utility man for the White Sox. Great talking with him. Great catching up with all of his big league ventures and his food ventures as well. We also found out he's a pretty talented hockey player as well. Before we hit the break and talk to Connor McKnight, let's quickly pause 10 seconds for station identification. From the First Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank's State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good him right now. He's down at Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. Connor, welcome into your usual post on this Saturday mo- morning afternoon deal. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Appreciate I'm, it as always. It I, is a uh, it's a beautiful day here at the ballpark. I'll tell you that much. The roof is closed. The dome, yeah. It is. It is. It's very hot. It's very humid out there. I'm not used to it. Uh, a lot of wheezing walking up and down the promenade, which is what they call it, uh, down by the hotel for my coffee. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I'm guessing 72 degrees and no wind today. Is that is that correct? Yeah, right. absolutely gorgeous. Glad I got that yep, right. Absolutely gorgeous. Feels like a... Feels like one of those. Little little inside baseball here. On our scorebooks that Connor and I have, there's a little spot to put the weather in for the day. And uh, I filled out today's weather yesterday. So it's always nice to have that. Yeah. Pre- pre- I usually, whenever I'm in a dome stadium, I just put nope for nope. the weather. 
That's a better one. I may steal that from you. Uh, so All Con- good. Nope. <laughs> so Connor is on the call today with Darren Jackson. You'll also hear him on tomorrow's game as well. But let's start with kind of what's been going on with the White Sox this past week. You look at ever since our last White Sox weekly appearance last Sunday, this team has gone one and four. But in that one game, you also lost Tim Anderson. And that may be more impactful than the the four losses right there that you've suffered. And I think they're all kind of tied together. But what have you sort of made of the last week of White Sox baseball? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of felt like, and you've watched this, I think White Sox fans have seen this too, there's just, they're one hit short in a lot of these games. And sure, there have been some where it doesn't feel exactly like that. And, you know, there's a game or two against the Blue Jays there where you've got runners on and are looking for that extra hit didn't get it and then you know the the blue jays score a couple in the eighth you know to make it uh, an eight to three win or something like that mm-hmm. but you know i, I kind of use i like the hockey analogy here I, I think it's apt uh puck on the stick right i mean it was it was there and the white Sox yeah. had a shot you know whether that was last night or a couple against toronto um and you know last night you've, you've got a, a red hot jose abreu or if it's not red hot then then approaching that level of jose abreu it's close Pete. to white hot uh, at this point it is it really is. Those numbers look really good, and, and he looks really good. You know, there's there's always a match between the approach and the swing that you want to see with the numbers, the results. Um, and I think Jose is, is right there right now. And, hey, you had him up there with a chance, and, and it doesn't go his way. So they just, um, you know, just looking for that extra knock, I, I think, is where they're at. And I think that's the offense, you know, all year. Uh, the White Sox have been waiting for that offense to really turn on and let loose. Um, and, and we're looking for solutions for it. I, unfortunately, you know, without Tim Anderson right now, that that makes your list of potential solutions just that much shorter for the White Sox at this point. Connor McKnight with us here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, so, Connor, we've been talking a little bit with some White Sox fans today about the most irreplaceable player on the White Sox. And is he currently on the shelf? Is it a Tim Anderson? But in your eyes, who is the most irreplaceable player on this team? I think it would have... <laughs> You know, at this point, it's really difficult to say anyone other than Tim Anderson, right? I mean, this is you—you've seen what it is. It's no coincidence for the White Sox that they're zero and four without him in this week. No, no, and 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 the the uh, you know, if you look at the winning percentages for the White Sox, you know, since I think it's the beginning of 2019, with and without Tim Anderson, you know, via injury or anything like that. I, I think the winning percentage is right around 370. So you can see right there what that is and, and what the results have been. You know, that said, with, with Tim out, um, you know, I, I think what you're seeing right now, unfortunately, with, with Yasmani Grandal kind of uh, struggling at the plate. And as he mentioned in Daryl Van Scowen's piece uh, with the Sun-Times, you know, just kind of really taking some time to come back from the the surgery he had in the offseason, get his legs together. You know, without his production, I think you're seeing how – tough to replace he's been as well reese mcguire has been great defensively behind the plate no doubt about it but that presence with the stick you know that kind of on base percentage that yasmani brings that kind of power potential that he brings and the fact that he does both of those things fairly evenly from both sides of the plate is is fairly irreplaceable and i I think you know right now the guy that the white Sox might benefit most from getting back to you know career norms might just be Yasmani Grandal, as strange as that may be to hear, given everybody else that the White Sox are are missing at this point. Yeah, I pinpoint two guys in that conversation, Yasmani, and then obviously the other one that I think White Sox fans would point to is Yohan Moncada as well. 
But mm. even lately, it feels like Moncada's come up to the plate in some important moments and gotten a, a little hit here, little hit there. I mean, he had one last night in the ninth that prolonged that inning. It's It feels like this team is, like you said, just one hit away at times. But the other thing that I almost point to with what I've seen from the White Sox is they get close, but then they'll surrender some of those runs in the next half inning. Yeah, they they those rebound runs, right? right. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we hear all the time from you know managers or, or pitching coaches just how important it is to throw up a zero after you've put up a run or two. You know, whether that's getting on top or cutting a lead in half or anything like that. You know, salting that down, solidifying that, salting it away. I guess if we're just going to use all of the metaphors we can think of, uh, that's really important. I think for a team, you know, it, it instills some confidence there in the, in the ball game. And I, I unfortunately, I, I think when the White Sox were in Toronto, not having Kendall Graveman available showed itself in a game. And that's unfortunate. And it's one game. So you can kind of, you know, you understand it, you move on. It's one series for that matter. Um, but it was notable from that point. Joe Kelly's on the injured list right now. Saw him in the clubhouse today. Uh, looks in good spirits and moving around and everything like that. But obviously, you know, that guy in that bullpen gives you another option to kind of staunch some of that um you know offensive bounce back from another team so i i think that does matter um i, I think all year long the Sox have been getting really good pitching from their starters uh and I, i'd include just about everybody who's right. still on the team in that list um but today's a big one for dylan you know i mean this is this is a a big start against a very good lineup um one that uh one that he's pitched against before and done pretty well against so i i would imagine that this is very much a get the era back under the three five range and you know really push back for for that top starter in the american league kind of billing you know or at least in that conversation because that's that's where he was up until those last two starts one against boston one against one against new york talking with connor mcknight here on white Sox weekly on the espn 1000 hard rock casino white Sox network so let's talk a little bit more about dylan here there was a good article that james fegan had in the athletic about him and sort of recalibrate recalibrating that slider grip but with dylan what to you is the biggest difference from when he has starts like he did a week ago against the cubs versus what he did against teams like the yankees and, and the red Sox when he sometimes struggled a little bit you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it used to be I have one answer for that leading up to this season, right? And it was always fastball command for Dylan. Fastball command. Where is that going? How long can you stay in the ball game? All those answers uh, came back to fastball command. That's not really been the case this year. No. And I think you can chalk that up as, as growth, right? I mean, I think you're seeing the guy really explode in, in terms of his command and control of the fastball and how important that is. This year, it's been the, um, I guess, availability in inning after inning of of that slider. And I think in those starts that you saw, even the one against the Cubs, um, you, you didn't really see the command of the breaking stuff the way he's had it in other starts. And I think, you know, you mentioned the article by, by James. Um, I don't know that he writes another kind other than good ones. But I, I think what they kind of talked through was – you know, how that breaking stuff needs to get shaped, those little things that it takes to make sure that it's as crisp and as, um, as, as on point as it needs to be. That's as much as anything else. I think what DJ and I are going to look for today on the broadcast is just, okay, which breaking ball is the one that, that Dylan seems to, you know, because typically he comes out with, you know, fastball on either the slider or curve and really kind of attacks with it. Um, be interesting to see which one it is that he's coming out with today and just how often he wants to throw it. I, I think that's a big, um, big key for, for him going forward in his next couple of starts. 
Connor McKnight, you'll hear him on the call later on today alongside Darren Jackson, and you'll also hear him tomorrow on the call with DJ. Thanks so much for joining us, Connor. Anytime, Tyler. All right, that's Connor McKnight. Hey, join us for the Summer T-Shirt Series on Thursday, June 9th, as the White Sox take on the Dodgers at 1.10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans will receive a free T-Shirt designed by Centroc and presented by Whittingham Meats. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Summer Series to purchase your tickets today. When we come back, still want to hear from you guys. Who is the most irreplaceable player in this White Sox lineup? And also... In terms of replacing Tim Anderson right now, maybe Tim Anderson isn't your answer. And I'll get to some of the answers that you guys have tweeted at us, and we'd love to hear you, 312-332-3776. But who do you want to see atop the lineup? We've seen Tony Larusa go with three guys so far. Leori Garcia, we've seen A.J. Pollock, and we've seen Yasmani Grandal. Who is that guy that you want to see atop the lineup, the first batter of the game for the White Sox without Tim Anderson for the next for, for the foreseeable future right now for the White Sox. 312-332-3776. We'll take your calls and more coming up next on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Chicago's home for sports. You've got us. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight. Today you'll hear Connor alongside DJ later on on the call. First pitch coming up at 3.10. We've got the FanDuel White Sox pregame show for you starting at 2.30. Talked to Danny Mendick a little bit earlier today. Also just wrapped up a great conversation with Connor. And if you missed any of it, go check out the podcast. You can find it on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast, White Sox Weekly. So we've been asking the question today about who is the most irreplaceable player on this White Sox team right now. And... My personal answer is Tim Anderson. You look at what the White Sox are and aren't when he's in and out of the lineup. And I think this injury, there's no coincidence that T.A.'s absence over the course of these four games this week has led to an 0-4 White Sox run. Now, if you asked me after Tim Anderson got injured, what would this team's record be after four games? I wouldn't have said 0-4, I don't think. I don't think it would have been that bad, but I don't think it's any sort of coincidence. When you look at some of the things that he does and a lot of the situations where the White Sox have been, kind of like what we were talking about with Connor, one hit away, Tim Anderson's one of those guys who makes it a little bit easier. Maybe he's not the one getting the hit, per se, or would be in the situation to get that big hit that this team needs, but he may be someone who maybe takes an out away. And so you're a hit away, but you now have two opportunities to get said hit. Or you can get a sacrifice fly instead of needing a base hit or a walk or something of that nature. And that's, to me, what the value of Tim Anderson is. We, we rattled off some of the numbers, and Connor alluded to it too. The White Sox are 123-89 and 89 since 2020 when Tim Anderson is in the lineup versus 28-32 and 32 when he does not play. And as well during that span... They are 104 and 58 when Tim Anderson gets a hit and 61 and 25 when he has a multi-hit game. So he is kind of the catalyst to this entire offensive machine here. We see a number of multi-hit games from Tim Anderson and we also see him as a spark atop the lineup in that first inning. He's got 15 career leadoff home runs. That's the second most in franchise history, only behind Ray Durham. And this is a team that has struggled to score runs in the first inning. Right now, they are 25th in all of baseball in first-inning runs. And at times where we have seen, kind of like last night, where this team can sort of fall behind 
and dig themselves into an early hole like they did last night, it's something that if you can get out and you're not chasing four, maybe you're only chasing two instead, it still still feels manageable. And really, Davis Martin, after that first inning, settled in and pitched nicely. Tony LaRusso talked a little bit about it after the game yesterday and kind of gave the the opposing viewpoint like yeah did he get rocked in the first inning he did it, it was not pretty for davis martin in that first frame but after that when he sort of settled in he finished his outing pretty nicely and gave the white Sox a chance to win five and a third five hits four runs three walks and a strikeout over 97 pitches yesterday for davis martin but I think even though it was a rough first inning for him, he did enough, especially on short notice, to give this Sox team a chance to win. And I think when you look at a guy like Tim Anderson, if he's in that lineup, who knows what he could have done to try to get this thing even closer and closer and maybe make it a one-run game in that bottom of the ninth inning, or in that top of the ninth inning, I should say, for the White Sox. So 312-332-3776. Who is the most irreplaceable player on this White Sox team? We've gotten a couple responses from people who've called in in the show earlier. We're also on Twitter as well, at ESPN White Sox, and the question has been thrown out there too. I want to get to a couple of responses here. Alex Torres, he says, Luis Robert, no-brainer. Listen, that's another great one that you can throw out there. There's a couple guys on this White Sox team that do it all, and and Luis Robert's certainly one of those guys when you talk about a five-tool player. Luis is one of those guys. He's an elite defender out in center field. He's got great speed on the base paths. He can do a number of things base running wise, like go first to third on some of those dicey situations where you maybe have a play, but Luis is one of those guys. He can motor around the bases like that. He can score from second on singles in some tough situations as well. And not to mention the fact that he's a a fantastic hitter in this lineup as well for the White Sox. You look at what he's done so far this season. He's hitting 293 on base at a 325 clip and an OPS plus of 120. I look at what Luis Robert brings as something that is irreplaceable. And listen, it's a nice sort of problem or or discussion to have when you're talking about who is the most irreplaceable player and there are multiple candidates. But I would look at guys like Luis, guys like T.A., Those are the real one, two in some sort of order. There may be even one A, one B as irreplaceable guys. Joshua Tapper gets to us as well. He says, I'd argue that Tim is our most irreplaceable player. And it's listen, it's hard to disagree with either one of those answers. You're really coming at it from all angles there. And I think that when you look at what both of those guys bring, not just from a on-field standpoint, but off the field as well. I mean, T.A., you heard Danny Mendick talk about it. His energy and all that is contagious in that clubhouse and in that dugout, and it brings out the best in a lot of these White Sox players, and it can be one of those things where, oh, T.A.'s in the lineup, he's hitting in front of me, and now everyone's sort of getting a piece of the hitting pie there, and that's one thing that I look at with Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, guys that will make your job easier as a hitter. And T.A. is one of those guys. He sets the table atop the lineup as the leadoff man. And then you see Luis Robert. We've seen him shuffled all across the batting order as well, whether it's two, whether it's three, five at times as well. He's hitting fifth today in the lineup. And I think one guy who's sort of been the beneficiary of having guys like Tim Anderson, Luis Robert hitting in front of them is Andrew Vaughn. And Andrew Vaughn, I don't think you'd look at Vaughn and say he is the most irreplaceable player on this White Sox roster, 
I, I think there's two very clear answers that you would put up there with Robert and with Anderson. But what Vaughn has done and, and the steps that he's taken for this team here in 2022, batting 279, getting on base at a 328 clip with a 130 OPS plus, he's just one of those guys. He's a pure hitter out there for this White Sox team. And what he has done over the course of his very limited White Sox career is be one of those guys when the offense is down, he's sort of picked things up and done his best to try to take command of the offense so far. And you look at what he did earlier this week in Toronto, one of his best hitting outings of his career. He goes four for five, a double home run pair of RBIs as well. And I look at Vaughn as a guy who, when you talk about when this team is whole and when this team is out there at their best and Listen, I expect the offense at some point to pick up. I do. There's just too many good bats in this lineup, and you're hopefully going to get one back relatively soon with Aloy Jimenez. And I think one of the things that when you think about Aloy coming back, this team has been deprived of that home run ball, it feels like at times. Like how many of these instances have we looked at the White Sox and looked at, oh, they're a hit away, but – Sometimes you expedite that process a little bit when you get that home run. And having a guy like Eloy Jimenez, who, if he were to play a, a full 162-game slate, he's got the power to put together a 40-home run season out there. He, his career high is 31, and that came in just 122 games. So if Eloy is one of those guys in your lineup that is getting you that power, that all of a sudden what what's been a one-run inning can all of a sudden turn into a three-run inning you can run with that and you can get some really productive offensive nights it it feels like we're waiting for that one sort of breakout big run performance right like the White Sox haven't had that double-digit run game in quite some time I'm looking through the the schedule right now and uh, I'm running through I'm all the way back in in April and I'm trying to find these this double-digit run games we haven't seen those big breakout performances like we've seen some seven run games from the Sox we've seen that against the the Yankees in in that series and we saw that against Boston um, a little bit but they were both in losing efforts and it gets back to one of the things that I've kind of harked on for this White Sox team this season is they haven't put together the consistency out there of syncing up really good hitting performances with really good pitching performances. And I think when when they're able to do that, you're going to see a different White Sox team. So the, the White Sox actually have only scored double-digit runs in one game so far this season. That came in the opening series against Detroit when they had the 10-1 victory on that Sunday in the finale against the, the Tigers. So... The, the run scoring has been a problem, and I think part of that is the fact that you haven't gotten the, the especially lately, you haven't gotten the this catalyst atop the lineup that Tim Anderson brings. And listen, T.A. can only do so much. There's guys behind him that have to drive him in as well, but the White Sox right now, one of the worst teams in all of baseball in first inning runs, and I think setting the table and giving your pitchers a lead too, like, we can look at what Johnny Cueto's done so far, and I know the win-loss record is, is something that a lot of the, the modern baseball 
doesn't like to look at, but I do think it still tells a story, right? Like Johnny Cueto is 0-2 this year with his win-loss record, but that doesn't tell the story. I think it more tells the story of what the offense has done behind him. When you look at what's happened in Cueto starts this season, and listen, Johnny Cueto is one of those guys who has been an absolute revelation for this White Sox team. But here is the run output on the other side for the White Sox in games that he has started. He got five against Kansas City, three against the Yankees, one against the Cubs, and three against Toronto. I mean, that kind of tells the story right there of what this offense has really struggled with. They have not given Johnny Cueto anything, and that's a big reason why this team is sort of sitting where they're at right now. They, they are not where you would expect the White Sox to be through 50 games. At the 50-game mark, this team is four under right now. If you gave White Sox fans a guess at what this team's record would be at the 50-game mark heading into this season, I bet you a lot of people would probably be saying 28 and 22. I'm sure you'd hear some 30 and 20s right now. And this is uh, the complete opposite. And hopefully they can turn things around here in short order as well. Hey, bring your group out to a White Sox game and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. We have private spaces for corporate outings, family get-togethers, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. When we come back, I do want to get to some news from the farm in terms of the rehab assignments that we have seen out of the White Sox as of late. Aloy Jimenez and Lance Lynn are the names to watch. We'll tell you what they did this week so far. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight today. Connor will be on the call alongside Darren Jackson coming up at 310 down in Tampa Bay. It'll be Dylan Cease getting the ball against Drew Rasmussen on the hill for Tampa Bay. We've got the White, FanDuel White Sox pregame show coming to you starting at 230 later on today. So, couple of news and notes I want to get to about some rehab assignments that are taking place for the White Sox. Two really big ones right now. One for Lance Lynn and the other for Aloy Jimenez. So Aloy currently nursing a hamstring injury. He's down in Charlotte. Did not play yesterday, but has logged three games so far in AAA. He's three for 11 so far in those three stints. But remember, the big one came a week ago today when he actually was removed from a game because of some tightness. Um, but the White Sox playing it cautious. Hopefully we'll have Aloy back sooner rather than later. And kind of as we were talking, could really use the power in Aloy's bat. Because how many times have we looked at this White Sox team and they've been oh, one, one hit away? Well, you can. there are going to be less times where you are one hit away when you have the power in your lineup that Aloy brings. Because if he's one of those guys who's got the, the 40 home run power in his bat, it alleviates some of the stuff. That's what the long ball does for you. And if Aloy Jimenez is back in this lineup sooner rather than later, you're looking at a White Sox team that I think a lot of the mistakes will be alleviated. I don't think it's any sort of mistake that when you look at the White Sox with Aloy Jimenez earlier this season, 
I mean, you look at the the first, what is this, the first seven games that Eloyd played in, the first seven of the 11 he played in, this team was 6-1. and 6-1 and one over that stretch. And that was even without him hitting a lot of home runs, but he was knocking guys in. He had seven RBIs in those seven games, and that certainly was something that helped this White Sox team and put together some nice offensive performances. Those three-run games were more like five- or six-run games, and even that 10-run game that I alluded to against Detroit, that's something that was really aided by Aloy Jimenez and what he brought to the table there. One of the other things that uh, I want to get to from the rehab side of things, Lance Lynn, he made his second start for Charlotte yesterday, went four innings, three runs on four hits, and one walk. Did give up two home runs, though, during that start and through 62 pitches. He came into this rehab process saying, I want at least three starts. And so we'll see how he's feeling after that third start. But again, Lynn had right knee surgery back in April, a little before opening day. And I think that was one of the things that was a bummer for the White Sox heading into this season was you had a guy in Lance Lynn who was your catalyst last year, your best pitcher on a staff of some really good ones last year. I mean, the the contributions that this team got from Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito, always solid. And then this season, we've seen the emergence of Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease as really formidable starters in this White Sox rotation every fifth day. And I think there was a lot of intrigue about how are all those guys going to blend in with a guy like Lance Lynn. And Lance, unfortunately, has not been able to play so far this season, but the numbers from a year ago were really, really good when he finished um, third in Cy Young voting for for the American League last year. And he was an all-star. And he he went out there and was just dominant for you in his 28 starts. A 2.69 ERA, 11 and 6 record if you're into that sort of stuff there, and a, an ERA plus of three uh, of a 163. So, this is a, a Lance Lynn that every fifth day you know you're getting a really strong start. Now it's going to be a bit of a process here, I think, in terms of stretching him out and getting deeper starts out of Lynn. But we've seen with, with even a guy like Johnny Cueto, who he had some time in Charlotte, comes up, and now all of a sudden Johnny Cueto has more six-inning starts than anybody else on this White Sox staff, which may be hard to believe, but all four of Johnny's starts have been six innings. And that's a big reason why the White Sox have really welcomed in a guy like Johnny Cueto because of what he's brought from a durability standpoint and just making life easier on your bullpen too. I mean, that's really been what, what Johnny Cueto, that's the godsend that he's been between when Dallas Keuchel was DFA'd and sort of getting into the, the Johnny Cueto experience right now. That's been a huge, huge unexpected surprise for this team. You know, on our flagship station, ESPN 1000 here, Jeff Meller was talking a little bit about what Johnny Cueto has meant to this team. And it's like, all right, well, Dallas Keuchel, the contract didn't work out here in the waning stages of the Dallas Keuchel experience, right? But it's tough to really be upset about it as a White Sox fan when you see what Cueto's done. And I thought that was a really good point by Jeff because the way that Cueto has stepped in and made this White Sox rotation not skip a beat, even though you're not getting the production that you expected out of Dallas Keuchel, that right there kind of shows you the importance of what he's brought. And I think getting Lance Lynn back, 
to this starting rotation is going to make a good thing that much better. So I, I'd love to know, too, from White Sox fans, 312-332-3776, which one of these guys is going to help this team more? Is it Lance Lynn or is it Aloy Jimenez? Again, the help that is on the way for this White Sox squad is certainly high-caliber help. You're looking at guys with all-star potential. Obviously, probably won't participate in this year's all-star game just because the sample size won't be there to to really show your impact uh, on the the season that they've had so far. But those are guys who, if they were healthy for the duration of this 2022 season, you'd imagine they'd be in the all-star conversation right there. So 312-332-3776. Who are you looking forward to most in the in their return? Is it Lance Lynn or is it? Eloy Jimenez right now. I don't want to bunch TA's name in there just because I think that Tim Anderson, we we know what Tim Anderson is. We know what he means to this lineup. And I think if I threw his name in there, it'd be a pretty easy answer as to who you're looking forward to for the return of one of these White Sox players. But 312-332-3776, who is the more impactful guy? I look at it as it's probably Eloy just because of the offensive struggles. And that's no knock on Lance Lynn by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look at what the pitching staff has done for the White Sox so far this season, I think that is one of those things where you look at one of the strengths. Like This team has not been losing games this year because of starting pitching, at least in my eyes. Maybe you see it differently, but from my vantage point and what I've seen out of Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech and Johnny Cueto um, and obviously Lucas Giolito, I mean, it feels like we don't even talk about Lucas Giolito, but it's almost like the the analogy to, to bring it to football a little bit, but it's like an offensive lineman. Like, you know the good ones when you don't have to talk about them as much. And that's kind of been Lucas Giolito for me this year is we haven't had to talk about Lucas, and that's a good thing. Because he's just been one of those steady guys in your rotation. You know you're going to get a good start out of Lucas time in and time again. And you look at some of the starts that he's made this season. He's obviously started to stretch things out a little bit. Bit of a clunker against Toronto. Listen, that's going to happen to the best of the best. But before that one, he had not allowed an earned run. Or more than three earned runs in any start before that, in his first seven starts of the season. So I look at what Lucas Giolito has done. It's just been that model of consistency that the White Sox have had. And I look at a guy like Lucas, it's good to have a guy like him that you know you can depend on. And you don't even really talk about him over the when you're talking about this lineup and the starting rotation as a whole because you just know he is that rock to the White Sox starting five. And it's it's been really refreshing to have a rotation that's been as good as it's been, but it's sort of weird to see that the starting pitching has been as good as it's been. Yet this team is sitting right now at 23 and 27. So we're looking forward to seeing the White Sox try to turn things around. Again, game two of this three-game set against the Rays coming up at 310. You'll hear Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call. We'll have you with the White Sox FanDuel pregame show at 2.30. Hey, spend your summer at the ballpark with Miller Lite, Bleachers, and Brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $27. You must be 21 and over with a valid ID. To purchase tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash brew. When we come back, I want to get into, have you recalibrated your White Sox expectations for this season? 
What are you looking at right now? What is going to be successful for this team? Especially now that we have turned the calendar to June, what are your expectations here in the month of June as well? Len Casper talked a little bit about this earlier in the week, so I'll rehash through some of that. But have you recalibrated your White Sox expectations here for 2022? And what do you want to see this team accomplish in the month of June? 312-332-3776. Love to hear your thoughts there. White Sox Weekly will return on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Hey, Sox fans, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday, June 10th, as the White Sox take on the Texas Rangers at 710. Be sure to stay after the game for an exciting post-game fireworks show. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776 is the number. Tyler Ockian for Connor McKnight here on White Sox Weekly as the White Sox getting set for game two of a three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays after falling in last night's contest to Tampa Bay 6-3. to They had a chance there in that top of the ninth inning. Bases loaded for Luis Robert and two outs, but uh, the Rays slammed the door in the top of the ninth to take home the victory. The Rays now 31-21 and on the season as the White Sox drop to 23-27. and We've been talking with people all day about who is going to make the most impact of these White Sox players now that can really change things and the tune for this team? Because through 50 games, you didn't expect this White Sox team to be where they are right now, 23 and 27. I think maybe some people would have guessed that this team would be at the inverse of that right now. Some people maybe would have thought that this team would be more like where the Rays are in the 30 and 20-ish neighborhood through 50 games. I don't think a lot of people would have picked 23 and 27 for this White Sox team, but help should be on the way soon in the forms of Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn, as well as guys like Joe Kelly and, of course, Aloy Jimenez. Let's go out to the phone lines where we find Ellie on the north side. Ellie, welcome to White Sox Weekly. Thank you. Um, as the first time I'm listening to you, and I, I understand that you're uh, uh, filling in for someone, at, at, and I've enjoyed listening to you. Otherwise, I would have uh, you kept me hooked in, which I know that's your job. And I asked myself, could I do this guy's job? I love to talk baseball. No, I couldn't. So anyhow, uh, I'm not a shill, but kudos to you. Thank you All very right. much, Ellie. You're welcome. Um, the um, I, you know, I'm uh, kind of um, plagiarizing about uh, or copying what you said. I think Aloy is the one that would mean something to me just because of the promise he has. That fast bat and, and as you mentioned, his power and, you know, along with uh, Luis Roberts, it, that's a powerful outfield um, a group of hitters. And it has been disappointing, but we're White Sox fans. I mean, we, we're not going to uh, abandon the ship. Uh, we know that it's um, management has put together some uh, a team that looks very good on paper. They can't anticipate, like all sports, what's going to happen health-wise. But anyhow, my vote, I hope uh, hope Beloy is able to come back soon. Well, thank you for the call. And I think those are some really salient points there, Ellie. You talk about Aloy and just the power that he could bring to this White Sox outfield now. I think that's one of the things that this team is missing. They're missing that power bat right now. And I think you're starting to see the numbers for a guy like, um, like, 
Jose Abreu start to heat up in the power department. He's hit a couple of really long home runs lately for this White Sox team. But you look at some of the other ones that that you're missing right now. I mean, this team doesn't have a single guy right now with double-digit home runs. And I think through 50 games, you would have expected one of these White Sox players to be at the double-digit pantheon right now. But right now, your home run leaders on this White Sox team, Jose Abreu pacing the way with seven. Then you've got Luis Robert with six, Andrew Vaughn with six, Tim Anderson with five. So I look at the, uh, like you look at the landscape of baseball, right? And Aaron Judge, he goes out, he hits another home run. I think he hit another one today if I'm looking through. Yep, he had a leadoff home run today. So he's up to 21. So that's your league leader right now in home runs with 21, three times as many as the White Sox leading hitter right now. If you can infuse some power into this team, I think you're going to alleviate a lot of those problems. And I think it's good to see Aloy, or uh, Jose rather start to heat up a little bit. Andrew Vaughn certainly been one of those key cogs for you from a power standpoint as well. And I think having Vaughn's bat in the lineup day in and day out is certainly going to help this team moving forward, and especially now that he's kind of settled himself into the two spot a little bit. I think that's a nice spot, but obviously a lot can change too when you do reinsert Aloy back into the lineup. But Having a guy who probably has the most raw power out of anybody on this Sox roster is going to be a good thing for this team in terms of trying to to get those power numbers up because I think that's going to make a lot of some of the things and some of the struggles that this team has had offensively, I think it's going to alleviate a good amount of that. So I'm looking forward to see what Aloy brings to this lineup when he does return. I do want to get into... The uh, the White Sox here in the month of June, 22 games on the schedule here, already in an 0-3 hole in the month, and those three, two of them coming against Toronto, one against Tampa Bay again. This month of June, not easy schedule-wise. I mentioned the pair against Toronto, this three-game set against Tampa Bay, and after that you get the Dodgers at home and the Rangers at home. The Dodgers obviously one of the cream of the crops out in the NL and then you look at the a Texas Rangers team who spent a lot of money in the offseason and you're starting to see that bear its fruit now albeit the the record's not great for the Rangers right now but they are improving and getting better as the season is wearing on and I think a lot of that is just the the camaraderie of it all the whole baseball aspect of things improving there then three on the road at Detroit and that is a team that this White Sox squad should be able to take advantage of after that though It's a three-game trip to Houston. Then you're back home for three against Toronto, that team in the Blue Jays that just swept you. Hopefully you can sweep them right back in your home park. Then it's four against Baltimore. And Baltimore right now may be at the bottom of the AL East right now. But that is a Baltimore team that has really scrapped as of late. They are up to 22-32. and So for context there, they have one fewer loss than the or one fewer win than the White Sox, I should say, and they are in fifth in the AL East. That AL East is really good this year, really. I mean, just look at the the teams that are in it, and the White Sox have gotten a taste of it: New York, Tampa, Toronto, Boston. Though, and, and the Orioles are the team that the White Sox haven't seen out of that group of AL East teams, and I think. Yeah, it is probably nice to get a lot of these out of the way early. Like, you're not going to see the Red Sox again. You're not going to see the Yankees again. By the end of June, you're not going to see Toronto again. And by the, and after Sunday, you're not going to see Tampa Bay again until hopefully the playoffs. 
And having the best division in baseball sort of in the rear view mirror, certainly going to make life a little bit easier on you. But anyway, so then you'll have four with Baltimore. That's going to be at home from the 23rd through the 26th at guaranteed rate field. And then there's a trip out west to take on the Angels. And I look at that Angels team as one that the White Sox, they split a four-game set with them earlier in the year. And you'd like to see the White Sox show that they're they're competitive with some of these really good teams. I mean, you look at the – I don't have the exact winning percentage of what the, the opponents have in this month of June, but I'd imagine it's somewhere in the 600 to 620 neighborhood. Maybe I'll do a little bit of math here at the break and try to figure that out for, for everyone here on uh, White Sox Weekly. When we get back, I do want to hear from you, though. What are your June expectations for this team? I laid out the schedule for you. It is not going to be easy for this White Sox squad heading into this month. But with injuries, with hopeful returns to just factor everything in here, what do you want to see out of this team in the month of June? You can't just say, oh, you got to win the rest of your games. You got to go 19-3 and of the month. That's not possible against the caliber of schedule that you're going up against. But what do you want to see? What constitutes success for you in this month of June for the White Sox. Before we hit that break, um, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. From the first Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good Karma Brands radio station. What are your White Sox expectations for June? 312-332-3776. White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back. Tell your smart speaker, play ESPN 1000. See you haven't Join us for Family Sundays at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at $10 and parking for only $15. Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Family Sundays proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit whitesocks.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets. So we've been talking a little bit about what we want to see out of the White Sox in this month of June. I laid out the schedule. Not an easy schedule. You look at the teams that you're facing. I added it up. 254 wins. And then you look through the the, the opponents that you're facing. One, two, three, four, five, six of them already have reached the 30-win threshold so far in this this 20. 22 season and and you look at across baseball right now at the teams that do have 30 wins right now there are 10 teams so you're getting 60 percent of that crop right now and that's right now your, your june schedule that you're looking at here and for a white Sox team that has struggled a little bit probably not what you wanted to see you would hope the schedule would be a little bit easier maybe you mix in a little bit of kansas city in this month of of june or maybe you, you get that other stretch with oakland um, maybe you get some some of the interleague play as well against some of those struggling teams that you're going to face in the West. Uh, but not the case right now for this White Sox team. They're going to have to battle through some of this for for this month of June. And it gets you thinking about what are the expectations that you want to set for the White Sox here in this month. A tough one. 22 really tough games on your schedule. 312-332-3776. Here's what I would say. For this team to constitute the month of June as success, especially given the injuries that you have suffered 
so far, and, and Tim Anderson being the most notable of them. Uh, but there's also a handful of other guys that are on the shelf right now, whether it's Joe Kelly, whether it is a guy like Lance Lynn, Aloy Jimenez. Those were earlier injuries, but still guys that you want to get back on this roster sooner rather than later. I just want to see this team sort of tread water through the month of June because if you can get to July, that's when things ease up a little bit. You open up July with three in San Francisco, but after that, it's a chance to make up a lot of ground in the division. The White Sox right now, six games back in the AL Central, and they are currently in third place behind Minnesota, the lead dogs at 31 and 23, and then Cleveland, who's in second place at 23 and 24. But that month of June is almost strictly or rather July, I should say. That month of July is almost strictly AL Central teams. You look at what you're starting with, not a a divisional opponent in San Francisco, but after that, three against Minnesota, four against Detroit, four against Cleveland, four against Minnesota. You get the all-star break in there, and then you get four more with Cleveland, a pair with Colorado, and three at home against Oakland. So you've got a chance with two of the teams that you are chasing right now to make up major ground, seven against Minnesota and seven against Cleveland. And that is where this team needs to make its run. So if you can just hold serve here in June, I mean, even a couple games under 500, especially given that you're you're off to an 0-3 start in the month, if you can sort of hold serve here and just show that the offense is improving, I think that's the other big thing. If you're getting offensive improvements from this team and you're not seeing three-run game after three-run game after three-run game offensively, that, to me, is what will signal major improvement for this White Sox team and give me confidence that this will be a playoff team heading into July. Again, it's not going to be easy, especially given the schedule, but if you can go out there and hit around some of these pitchers, again, I think... You look at these teams that I brought up, a lot of those teams are hitting base. You should be able to take care of some of the pitching that you're going to see in a lot of these series. But that's what you need to see. You need to see this team make strides offensively. And getting Tim Anderson back, hopefully, in this month, and then hopefully within the next week or so, you could see a guy like Aloy Jimenez return to the lineup. That, to me, is going to be sort of the telling sign because once all those guys are back, then the excuses are sort of out the window at that point. Because you will have that full roster of guys. And again, I think the other thing that you point to is let's have a healthier June than we did May, right? Like, let's be healthier this month and be more additive as opposed to subtractive in this month in terms of an injury standpoint here. So I'm looking at that as the major thing that I want to see in this month of June. 312-332-3776. If you want to hop in, what are your expectations for the White Sox in this month of June? What will constitute a successful month for you? And have you recalibrated your season-long expectations as well? 312-332-3776. So one of the guys that I do want to highlight here as making some offensive strides is Jose Abreu. What he has done over the course of this 12-game hitting streak right now is nothing short of phenomenal. Right now, over the course of his last 12 games, so dating back to May 21st, he's hitting 400 with a 491 on-base percentage and a 756 slug. I mean, just let that settle in. Pretty much every other at-bat 
that Jose Abreu is going to the plate. He is getting on base. Also has four doubles, four home runs, nine runs batted in, and six multi-hit games to compile a 1246 OPS. And two of those four home runs are long ones. He had a 449 against Toronto and then a 446 last night. Those are two of the three longest home runs. The only one sandwiched in between there is Aloy Jimenez, who has a, a one at, I believe it's 447 for Aloy. Maybe it's 448. Um, but those are the three longest home runs, and Jose's got two of them, and they've all come in this month of June. And I think that the way that he's hitting right now, you're more seeing him get what he deserves. When he was struggling early on in the season, a lot of those were hard-hit baseballs with high-expected batting averages off of them that he just unfortunately was hitting right at dudes or guys were making really, really tough plays on a guy like Jose. And I think you're starting to see some of that. Like last night, there was a a play, a, a ball hit up the middle for Jose on the single that he had that was a really, really tough play. And the shortstop for the Rays, Vidal Brujan, goes and makes a nice play, but the throw just was not in time. And I think that's right there. You're starting to see some of the luck now shift the other way for Jose. And it's coming at a time when the White Sox really need it offensively. So I I look at Abreu. He's got that 12-game hitting streak going right now. And he's raised his average almost 50 points during this 12-game hitting streak. He's up from 207 to 256. It's the longest active streak right now in the American League. The only one longer in the NL right now, I believe, is Paul Goldschmidt. He is up to 25 right now for the Cardinals. He's been on a tear. He was the NL player of the month for the National League. So that's something that, uh, hey, if Jose wants to go out and string together 25 games of getting a hit, be my guess. He also now has 15 career hitting streaks of 10 games or more. That's the second most in MLB behind Colorado's Charlie Blackman. That's among active players right there and all those streaks spanning just a single season. 312-332-3776. If you want to hop on into White Sox Weekly, let's go out to Evergreen Park where we find Don. What's going on, Don? Hey, I was uh, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think if they can if they can go 500 the rest of the month uh, I think they're they'll count they they'll be lucky. I don't see them beating any if they can split with Tampa Bay, and I don't see them beating anybody, but maybe Texas, Detroit, and Baltimore in a series. Right. Uh, Again, they're really tough series, right, Don? I mean, we've laid out uh, the schedule for you here, and you know, not all five hundred stretches are created equal. And we thank you for the call, Don. Um, when you go five hundred. And you're going up against teams like Kansas City or Baltimore or Oakland. 500 doesn't feel like a winning stretch of baseball. But if the White Sox can go around 500 for the remaining month, I think we're going to start to lump them into the good team category when it comes to the landscape of baseball. Because right now, you look at the White Sox, the 23 and 27 is underwhelming. And yeah, it's been a, a decently tough schedule, but there have been opportunities that could have been had that they have not taken. But I think if you look at this team and they go 500 over this next stretch of June, I think you're going to start to say, okay, yeah, they went 500 in that stretch, but look at who they played. 
that feels like a 500, but in the plus category, as opposed to sometimes you see a 500 stretch of baseball and it feels more like, ah, oh, that's, that's in the minus category. It didn't feel like the most inspiring stuff out there. So I would agree. I would agree with Don. I think that if you can go 500 in this stretch, it'll feel like you more went 600, given the opponents that you are going up against here in this month of, of June. And, and again, schedule is going to be extremely difficult and you're going to have to put up some runs. I, I Listen, pitching's always important, but in this June month, run scoring is going to be extremely important. You look at what you've already done against Toronto. Well, guess what? You get three more against them. I think we've seen the recipe to beating Toronto is getting in some of these slugfests. We haven't really seen the White Sox get into a competitive slugfest so far this season, and hopefully the bats will wake up a little bit. The Dodgers you are going to have to get runs against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, hey, anything can happen against the Dodgers, too. The Pittsburgh Pirates, one of the worst teams in all of baseball, just went out and swept L.A. The Pirates, 22-28. and 28. Three of those wins just came against L.A. So I, I look at there are series to be had, but a big reason why Pittsburgh was able to, to do what they did against L.A. was because of the fact that they got timely hits. They got some really timely hits in that series against the Dodgers. And I look at what they did, a 6-5 win, a 5-3 win in in game two of that series, and then an 8-4 win. So you're getting at least five runs a game against the Dodgers. That's the recipe to beat this team, that Dodger team, which is coming up later on this week for the White Sox. I think you look at if you can start to – Get healthier. Maybe you have Aloy back for that Dodgers series. Maybe you probably won't have T.A. back. But if you get Aloy back and you can get some of those power numbers back to what we think they can be, what this White Sox team really has in them, you got a chance to, to take two of three against one of the best teams in the National League and in all of baseball. So I'm looking forward to that series. But you're going to need to see the, the offensive numbers really start to take a hike up if you want to be competitive in this month of June. And I think Jose Abreu has been one of those guys who has really allowed this team to sort of unlock things offensively, and you hope to see it continues to develop with some other guys like Yohan Moncada or Yasmani Grandal. We talked a little bit about it with Connor. If those guys' power numbers start to hike up, then this, that's when this team becomes scary. That's when the talk of, oh, this is just a team that's built on paper right now, that's when you start to see them start to execute. This team is laid out nicely on paper right now, but we have not seen the execution at the level that you would want to see it for the White Sox. Hey, if you're looking for a unique way to start your game day, treat your group to a pregame patio party. You'll get two hours of an all-you-can-eat buffet along with unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit whitesox.com patio or call 312-674-1000. When we come back, we'll get you the lineups and a little skim through the starting pitchers for today, and we'll also hear from Danny Mendick. He joined us a little bit earlier in the show. Danny Mendick will give you the best stuff there at as well. White Sox Weekly will be right back on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Black and Abdallah weeknights at 6 on ESPN 1000. You got White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. FanDuel White Sox pregame show coming up in about 12 minutes from now. First pitch 310 
down at the Trop. Hey, head to the ballpark on Saturday, June 11th, as the White Sox take on the Texas Rangers at 110. The first 20,000 fans will receive a White Sox Hawaiian shirt presented by Beggar's Pizza. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com. A couple notables for the lineup today for the White Sox. You're going to get Leori Garcia as your leadoff hitter today. Yasmani Grandal will DH and hit seventh, and then Reese McGuire will do the catching for the White Sox. Earlier today on the show, we got a chance to catch up with Danny Mendick. It was always fun talking with Danny, and I asked him about the difficulty of going back and forth between AAA and the majors. For me, I you know I enjoy playing baseball. So um, whether it be in Charlotte, Chicago, um, once I step in between those lines, it's like you know let's go. And uh, I try to uh, help the team in any way I possibly can. And you know, like I said, where wherever it is, it, that's what it is. But I'm going to give it 110 uh, percent all the time. I feel like White Sox players are spoiled in the sense that when you do go down to Charlotte or back up to Chicago, you've got great food wherever you're going. Like, there's great barbecue down in Charlotte. There's great food up here in Chicago. Do you have a couple favorite spots, favorite types of cu- cuisine that you hit when you're in both places? You know what? It's it's, it's hit or miss. I When I go down to uh, Charlotte, it's, it's awesome. I mean, first off, that stadium is incredible. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful city and stuff like that. So I normally just, what I'll do is I'll just ride those scooters around because they got those scooters there. And <laughs> right, uh-huh. You can just go wherever you want. Um you know, as far as I, I wish I could say I hit uh, some more barbecue spots, but I do like I'll do like a you know a pot belly sandwich before the game or something like that. Um, that's in Charlotte, and then Chicago. Chicago's a little different. We got we got some good food at the field, so I always either grab some breakfast in the morning or I go straight to the field and, and crush what we got there. Danny Mendick joining us here on White Sox Weekly. So you coming up and you're replacing Tim Anderson. We've talked a little bit on this team about how tough of an ask that can be for someone who is a catalyst atop the lineup. He's made some amazing plays in the field as well. What goes into your mindset day in and day out of, I'm stepping in for that guy? Yeah, you know, um, Timmy's my guy. So um, I've, you know, been behind him and I've been on this team and we talk a lot and I see the way he prepares. And I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete and baseball player. And uh, to be able to step in for a guy like that, you know, it's tough, but uh, I know my ability. I know what I can bring to this team. And, you know, you get out there and go out there and play my best and, you know, uh, just do what I can to help the team bring the energy. Um, I think that's one thing that Timmy does really well is he has a lot of a lot of positive energy when he plays. Um, you know, the guys rally around him. He's one of those guys where when Timmy's hitting, you know, everybody's hitting because he just makes it fun. And uh, so, it's, it's you know, it's one of those things when, you know, you never want to see a guy go down like that. Um, but it gives me an opportunity, and, you know, opportunity allows me to be the baseball player that I am. So that's what I'm here doing. You bring up sort of that contagious thing that Timmy has where he, he'll go out there, he'll start hitting, and then everyone else gets into a groove. Is that something that is just kind of you either have it or you don't, or is that something that you can kind of develop personality-wise? Um, you know what? I think that's one of those things you kind of develop. Um, I mean, Timmy's probably had it his whole life. He's just been a phenomenal hitter. So, but it's just it's just having a positive mindset, a positive energy because this game is tough. You know, you you fail seven out of ten times um, to be a Hall of Famer. So it's like, you know, how do you how do you accept that and how do you look at that and say, okay, well, you know, I gotta the three times that I do do well, I gotta make sure that I'm positive for all ten of them. And that's what he does really well. You know, he goes up there and 
whatever the outcome is, he knows he's got, you know, another big at-bat coming up and he's going to help the team somehow. So it's just to have those positive vibes, you just feel it, you know, one through nine and even in the in the clubhouse and dugout, you feel it. So you got called up, back up, I should say, about a week ago now, and you your first three starts, you, you have two-hit game, two-hit game, two-hit game. What allowed you to sort of find your rhythm as quickly as you did when you got called back up? Uh, you know, I went back down to Charlotte. Um, you know, didn't really look at, at anything besides I'm just going to go play baseball and uh, got to go get some at-bats, um, see some pitching. And, you know, you fall in a groove a little bit once you start to see some pitching on a consistent basis. And then um, Timmy goes down and, you know, you get an opportunity and you come in midway in that game. And, you know, I guess I just have been trusting my process and trusting my routines and um, come in that game. And then, you know, you get four at-bats, you get two hits. So it's like, okay, you know, that's that's a start. And then you keep rolling it over into the next couple of days. And it's just a confidence thing once you start to, you know, see the ball drop a little bit. Um, start to feel a little more comfortable and, and realize, you know, the plan that you have is working, so to stick with it. Danny Mendick, our guest here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So there was that one play that took place in Toronto, the base running air on, on, between you and Reese and on a, the tag up there. What happened on that play? Yeah, so um, first and third one out, uh, fly ball. Probably not the right situation. You know, you got to play the scoreboard. You got to look at um, wh- where we're at in the game and stuff like that. But I saw um, Guriel going back. I know he has a good arm, um, but he was, you know, pretty close to the warning track, and he's going back on a fly ball. And with Vonnie coming up next, I was thinking just try to get in scoring position. And uh, probably, like I said, not the right thought. And if when a play was close, probably just got to pull up and get in a rundown so that Reese does score. Um, but you know, with my thing, my, my philosophy is, is I'm going to be an aggressive baseball player. And, uh, I say this about everything, but if I'm going to make a mistake, it's going to be aggressive. I'd rather do it aggressively than, you know, not make a mistake at all and and play timid. So it's one of those things that, you know, you learn from, um, you know, hopefully you get a situation like that, you know, in the, in the playoffs or even in the world series and you know exactly what to do for the next time. So. Um, you know, lesson learned, but uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm always going to be aggressive, and you make aggressive mistakes. That is Danny Mendick. He was kind enough to join us on White Sox Weekly earlier today. We have the FanDuel White Sox pregame show coming up in just a little bit here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network as Dylan Cease gets the ball against Drew Rasmussen on the other side for Tampa Bay. Cease 4-2 with a 369 ERA. Rasmussen 5 and 2 with a 347. Our thank yous go out to Justin Rothman and Jake Cantu, as well as our executive producer, Eric Ostrowski, here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will have the call of first pitch starting at 310 today. Tyler Rocky saying so, saying thank you so much for joining us here on White Sox Weekly, the pregame show coming up next.